This is First Words with the Reverend Matthew Waite. This is the official podcast of First Lutheran Culver City. It's a podcast that helps us to consider what it means to do the work of God's kingdom. I had an episode prepared for this week, but I want to put that on hold so I can speak about the church's response in the wake of racial tensions that have exploded in this country. This is an important topic and we need to linger on how the church responds, not only in light of a crisis, but what our normal response is at all times. At the top of each episode, I say this is a podcast that helps us to consider what it means to do the work of God's kingdom. But I'm not actually sure that I ever took time to define what God's kingdom is. So what is the kingdom of God? What are the expectations of what it means to be about the work of the kingdom of God? To have an idea of what this is and what we should be doing, we really have to look at the story of scripture in both the Old and New Testament. Too often, Christians, and especially Lutherans, get caught up in the idea that the kingdom of God is only a spiritual venture, that the primary work of the Christian is to tell people that Jesus loves them, and that ultimately we get to escape this physical world and go be in heaven when we die. Turns out that is not what the kingdom of God is. At least that's not the full scope of it. Yes, we do have a responsibility to tell people that Jesus loves them, but I'll get back to that. The kingdom of God is not just an escape act in which we are trying to get out of the physical world and get into some spiritual plane of existence. Rather, when we look through the scriptures, we see that God cares deeply about our physical well-being here and now. When you read through the book of the Exodus, you see that God doesn't just come to the people of Israel and say, hey, it's okay you have a relationship with me, good luck in slavery. Rather, he comes to the people of God and he brings them out of slavery and into the promised land, that he frees them from the yoke of Pharaoh and redeems them with his mighty outstretched arm because he didn't want them to suffer in that way. And when he brings them out of slavery, it's not just to prove that he is God, rather it is because he actually cares for them. And this is true in the remainder of the Old Testament that God actually cares about the well-being of his people. Even in the book of the Exodus, he gives them the Ten Commandments, which are not ten different ways that you say Jesus loves you or God loves you. Rather, they are ten ways that you show that love, that you reflect that by protecting and preserving one another in the community and in the world. You can even turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah opens up his book and he levels a great complaint against the people of God for their unrighteousness. Yes, he complains about idolatry and that people have turned away from God, but the way that he shows that is also by pointing to the injustices of their society. Chapter 1, verse 21. How the faithful city has become a whore, she who is full of justice. Righteousness launched in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless and the widow's cause does not come to them. God cares about our physical well-being, and this continues as well when Jesus is up to his ministry. When we read in the gospel accounts that he walks into the presence of someone who is sick or hungry, he doesn't just say, I love you, you'll be with me in heaven. Rather, he heals them or he feeds them. When Jesus comes across someone who is oppressed by the political and religious powers of that day, he doesn't say, oh, it's okay, just hold on. 
Rather, he starts flipping over tables and confronting those systems that have oppressed them. Indeed, when Jesus is raised from the dead, that is not just to show us that God won the victory and we will one day escape this world. Rather, that resurrection is a promise that Jesus is coming back, that you and I will be raised, that God has not abandoned this world, but rather he is coming back one day to restore and redeem it. And this has been the life and witness of the church throughout the ages. That the church has never just been about the work of saying Jesus loves you. Rather, the church is always called to action. Always called to bring people, not just to the light and understanding of who Jesus is, but to an experience of that love and hope right now. This is the kingdom of God. I say this because it worries me sometimes in the midst of this that people might say things like, oh, we shouldn't worry about racism, that's political. Or even that the fix for this is just to pray harder. That's alarming to me. Even if this issue has become a political football, it's still an issue that impacts human well-being. And so even if it's political, we have a responsibility to step into that sphere, that we have a responsibility to vote and to do the things that we believe are right to change the politics and to change the policy and the legislation. My other concern is the idea that this is just to be fixed in prayer. Prayer is important. We do need to pray. But prayer must not be the first and last step in what we are doing to confront systemic racism. Rather, when we pray, we pray in a way that brings our heart in line with God's heart, a heart that desires justice for other people. When we pray for others, it brings our heart to a place of compassion for their sake. And so prayer is not an end. Rather, prayer is the beginning of action. So prayer shapes our hearts and our minds and pushes us into the world to be about the work of God's kingdom that matters here and now, both in people's physical and spiritual well-being. And so we must act. And if you're struggling with this, then it's time to engage in conversations with other people that care about this and are thoughtful about it. Please feel free to reach out to me directly or reach out to someone else that you know and trust who is thinking about these things and also desiring to act. The church cannot be silent because God is never silent in the face of injustice and God calls us to action. So brothers and sisters, let's get out there and do what we can right now to bring the kingdom of God and show our love for neighbors, especially our neighbors who are oppressed. That's it for today's episode of First Words. Be sure to click subscribe so that you don't miss this, the official podcast of First Lutheran Culver City.